0: Over here is a pile of baggage. Um, some of you didn't know this. I used to, I worked at Piedmont Airlines. So I've, I've handled a lot of baggage. And that, there's an old commercial for Samsonite that had a gorilla in it. How many of you remember that one? Okay, hey, okay. A lot of you remember that. That's what it's like working on the ramp. Uh, that's what we did to your bag. So now you know why they look like they do. But all this baggage is here, and it's here for us as kind of a picture, because baggage is something we carry that weighs us down and, quite frankly, can wear us out. Some of you know this full well. You've carried a lot of baggage. It is an invisible weight. Other people don't see the baggage, but a lot of them recognize that you're carrying stuff. As a matter of fact, sometimes your baggage is so heavy and so burdensome that it physically begins to affect you. You literally begin to walk stooped over as if you have a physical load on you. The baggage you carry can be a devastating thing. And the problem is, when we get married, we carry our baggage into the marriage. It now, I encourage people during premarriage counseling, hey, you might want to discuss this baggage stuff. But a lot of times it's like the old jack in the box, you know, Dun, da, 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 da. poof, and it pops up when you least expect it. We not only carry baggage into marriages, we carry baggage into work with us. Sometimes that affects our attitude, how we relate to other people, or how other people relate to us. We carry our baggage into school with us. The things that weigh us down and burden us and, and bother us, we carry that into school with us. We even carry it into church. And one of the sad things about the baggage that we carry is that we often slough it off on our kids. We, we make our kids, we teach our kids first of all to carry baggage and then we even let them carry some of ours. And so today we wanted to begin to look very seriously at the baggage that we carry and we, we wanted to look at it in a way to offer you some hope. This is not a time to come and just be a, a, a mutual pity party where we just say, oh, poor us. Look at all the baggage we carry. Look at all the problems we have. Look at all the weight that's on our shoulders. That's, that's not the purpose of this at all. The purpose of this is to let you know that there is hope if you're carrying a whole dump truck load on your shoulders there's hope so let's begin by asking the lord to help us to realize this and embrace it this morning father god we are grateful for the hope that you provide a hope that's beyond anything that uh, we could dare even dream about lord for many who are here they've been carrying around weight and baggage for a long long time And, Lord, I pray today that they will hear your invitation to lay it down. Lord, thank you for being here, for meeting us at the point of our need, and for not leaving us there. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to follow you, and where you lead us is good. So, Lord, speak to us today and challenge us today, encourage us today, give us some hope we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. When I was in college, Whiteout was my best friend. Now, if you're if you grew up in the I grew up that was before the computer age where everybody had a PC, everybody had a laptop. I I had a second hand, it was a little blue Smith Corona portable electric Typewriter. Now, I didn't learn to type on an electric typewriter, but that was, that's what I had. That's what I took with me to college, and I typed all my papers on it, and I bought white out by the barrel, and I wasn't even that terrible of a, a typer. I mean, I was pretty good, and yet I'd go back, and I'd look, and I'd find error after error after error. And so if you're not familiar with whiteout, it's a little white substance. Now they've got a tape that you can use, but at that time it was a bottle that tended to clump up. And you would cover over your error with the whiteout, wait for it to dry, usually not long enough. You know, you know example, f- 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 blowing on it, trying to get it to dry. So you can slide it back in there, try to get it lined up, and then retype it. And so Whiteout and I were really good friends. So when when the computer age came along, I was really excited because uh, delete and backspace replaced Whiteout as my best friends. You You can fix a lot of errors with delete and with backspace. But there's no Whiteout for the mistakes that we make in life. Well, there's forgiveness. But there's no Whiteout. There's no delete button, no backspace button that we can use. And so what we end up walking away with is regret. And that's the baggage we want to talk about laying down today. Regret. Because some of you came in with a boatload of it. What is regret? I've I've got a little definition that I put together here. I think uh, Webster would agree. Personal regret is a sense of profound sadness or disappointment over something you said or did or didn't say or didn't do. In other words, you can have regret over things you've done or things you didn't do, you wished you'd done. As a matter of fact, sometimes those regrets are greater. You can have regrets over the things that you've said to someone or the things that you failed to say, I'm not using the right words at the right time. Sometimes this is done intentionally you're in an argument oh then you start throwing stuff out but a lot of times the things that we regret were things that happened merely by accident but still either way you feel awful about them and you don't really feel like you have very much peace in your life i tried to figure out if there was a an image a a something that i could portray this for you other than other than this baggage this weight that you carry and literally the thing i came up with was pac-man you know pac-man pac-man the old video game you had to move it left right up or down to try to and and you were this little yellow thing going waka 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 okay and you had all these little pill things you were supposed to eat which i think may be the reasons there's so much pill abuse today but there were all these pills you had to eat And you were trying to get around this maze and eat the cherries and oranges and bananas and things like that without the ghost capturing you. But here's the problem. There seem to be ghosts around every corner, and I think that's what regret is like. We're just going through life, waka, 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 waka. And around every corner is regret over something said or unsaid, something done or undone. And we can either choose to carry it or we can find a way to lay it down, and I believe that that would be what Jesus would invite us to. Here's what Jesus said: "Come to me, all who are weary, and burdened, weighed down, and I will give you what rest. Take my yoke upon me on you, and and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's an invitation. As an invitation to Jesus, say, hey, listen, come on, bring your regret with you. But I've got something I want to exchange for your regret. I want you to take that burden off your shoulders because I'm calling you to something else. And what I'm calling you to includes rest. It's easy and it's light because you've been trying to carry all this stuff on your own. But what I'm calling you to do, I'm not calling you to do on your own. Jesus said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So whatever I'm calling you to, I'm there with you. I'm shouldering the load with you. You don't have to carry it all on your own. Now for those who came in with a bunch of of regrets and you go, okay, that sounds good. I hear the invitation, but what do I do with this? What, what's a practical application? Where's the how? I, I like the idea, but where's the how? And I want to share with you some, some really good information, some good advice, if you will. But this is something, if you went to a good counselor, not a bad one. If you went to a good counselor, here are things a good counselor might tell you to do with your regrets. It might tell you to acknowledge your actions or inactions without making excuses. Boy, that makes sense, doesn't it? One of the reasons we carry regret is because we have excuses to try to back them up. We know we ought to lay them down. We know we ought to get rid of them. We ought to do something about it. But we got an excuse for it. And so we tend to keep carrying them. So acknowledge what you've done or not done. What you said or not said. Recognize how your actions or your inactions have impacted others. And that's one of the deals with our baggage. We're not the only one who carries our stuff. Other people are, reflected, uh, are affected by our regrets. The third one up here, um, learn from your mistakes. Now you go, well, that that seems to be a no-brainer right there. Learn from your mistakes. I'm told to do that every day. The problem is we don't. What I see in counseling far too often is people who are making the same mistake over and over and over again. The mistake might be a person or a kind of person. Or the mistake may have to do with a habit that they have or a tendency in their life. And then the fourth thing we have up here is to make amends wherever possible. In other words, if you can make it up to somebody, you ought to do it. There's something, and sometimes all it requires is an apology. Sometimes it requires a lot more. Now, as I said, if you went to a good counselor, you could get this kind of information. And this is good stuff. I, I am not downplaying this whatsoever. This is good practical wisdom on how to deal with your regret. And so write it down, keep it close by, because these are great steps to deal with your regrets. Good advice, but I want to tell you there's something more. There is something deeper. There is a spiritual component that you need to hear about this morning if you want to move beyond your regret and into restoration and hope. I want to share with you a little bit of that spiritual component this morning. We need to understand that regret is one of Satan's subtle tactics to keep us bound up. Think about it. If Satan can keep you burdened, fearful of every corner, If Satan can make you think that because of something you've done or said in the past or didn't do or didn't say in the past, that that has somehow stained you so that you can no longer move forward. As a matter of fact, he would really love to have you cowering, whimpering in a corner. Okay, he did not like at all what happened this morning, okay? He does not like it. When people come to Christ, he doesn't like it when people take a step of obedience in Christ. He doesn't like it when people are following Christ. But if he can't have your soul, then he wants your daily life. And he wants you so bound up, so weighed down, so bottled up that you feel that you've got nothing that you can offer to God or anybody else. He wants you to think that there's never any hope of release. You're doing life without parole. I know, it sounds like a Johnny Cash song. Regret. You've carried it for so very, very long. And and the problem is, you don't want to be alone. So you try to drag other people into that hole with you. If you can't feel good about your life, by golly, you don't want them feeling good about their lives. And it just becomes one pile of, of misery. Now, when I look back in Scripture, if there were any person that i would go in the new testament who who should have have had a weight of regret and that regret would have been so heavy that it would have kept them from doing anything for the kingdom that person would have been peter i want you to think with me about peter for a minute peter was one of jesus disciples one of the twelve one of the first called and among that 12, Jesus had some who were closer to him, and Peter was in that group of three who were closer. Now, Peter, if you've read the Gospels at all, you know Peter was bold. Sometimes he was a little too bold. You know, sometimes he engaged his mouth before you know, he engaged his brain. And so this was, this was kind of Peter. But one thing you can look, so, hey, this dude was committed. This dude was committed. This dude was sold out to Jesus, no doubt about it. And so Peter, great example of faithfulness all the way through, great, great example of stumbling and getting back up and keeping moving forward. But then that night came. Maybe you know what night I'm talking about. It was a night of Jesus' arrest. Now, Jesus had told Peter just a little bit earlier, he said, listen, He said, everybody here is going to fall away. And Peter, I want to let you know that before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Now, Peter said, no, no, it's not going to happen. But we kind of know how that night went, don't we? They went out into the garden. Jesus prayed. Then came the soldiers. Came to arrest Jesus, take him away. Peter got a sword out. I'm not even sure the guy knew how to use one. Jesus, after he'd lopped off a guy's ear, this shows you how bad his aim was. He was probably going to split his skull. So, you know, hey, lopped off his ear. Jesus fixed it. Hey, if he'd have split his skull, Jesus could have fixed that too. Jesus said, put that away. And then the soldiers led Jesus away. And the disciples did exactly what Jesus said they do. They scattered Now, Peter, remember, he's bold. He's committed. Peter follows, got the torch lights going, and Peter follows back to the the court of the high priest. He follows back, and he gets there, and he is watching the proceedings. He's seeing what's going on in this kangaroo court, this mock trial that Jesus is going through. He's watching all of this, and he's standing there by the fire, warming himself with some other people. And while he's standing there, people begin to pepper him with questions. Hey, aren't you with Jesus? Hey, aren't you a Galilean? You sure talk like a Galilean. Maybe you're with him. And not once, not twice, but three times, Peter denies he even knows Jesus. And then, the rooster crow. Now he had said, "Listen, among all these other guys, I'm the one's going to stick with you." Jesus said, "Everybody's scattering." Peter says, "Not me. I don't know about all these other fellows here, but you can count on me. I'm going to be with you. I'm willing to die for you. I'm going to do anything for you." But just in a few short hours. He had denied Jesus three times. That is the recipe for big-time regret. Peter has cast his entire lot with Jesus. I mean, he left everything, his fishing boats. He left everything, his family, left it all behind in order to go and to follow Jesus and to, to be a disciple of Jesus and to go where Jesus was going to go. And now, having, especially having made this bold proclamation... He's got to be weighted down with so much regret and so much remorse over this that he just want to give it all up. Just want to go back out on the water where he could do what he'd always done, just, just fish and hope somehow that the winds blowing across the Sea of Galilee might blow those memories away of that night. The night that he denied Jesus. Now, if that were the end of the story, that'd be a pretty sad story, wouldn't it be? But it's not the end. And I'd like us to read together how this thing begins to wrap up you've got your Bibles, it's John 21. If you don't, we'll put it up there on the screen for you. But we're going to look at John 21. We're going to start in verse 1. And we'll move along. Now, John is one of the Gospels. You'll find it in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have to go a little ways to get there if you're not familiar with where it is. Hey, can I tell you, if you are not familiar with where it is, and you are, you're looking aimlessly through your Bible right now, hoping to luckily find it, uh, they, they made this neat little thing in the front of your Bible. It'll tell you exactly what page it's on. Okay, I can't tell you what page it's on, but, but you can find it there. And it's also, well, listen, it's no shame to have tabs on your Bible. That's a quick way to find what you're looking for. So here we go. John chapter 21. I just want to start reading here, and I'm going to read through verse 19. So follow along with me if you would. It said, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, there he is. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. That sounds like a bunch of guys, doesn't it? Okay. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. They usually fished at night. That was normal. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, who's the author of this book, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "It is I, the Lord." And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, "It is the Lord," he wrapped. Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, John said to Peter, "It is the Lord." And Peter heard this, and he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples, he's still bold. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore about 100 yards, and when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon climbed back into the boat, and he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. That's a pretty good catch. But even with so many, the net wasn't torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to him and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now listen. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Now... Jesus is striking pretty close to home because Peter made it abundantly clear before the betrayal that everybody else can leave you, but I'm not. I'm going to stick with you. I'm the one that loves you. Who loves you, baby? Okay. He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And he goes on to add, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, Follow me. Now, folks, we don't have time to unpack all of that. I want to tell you, this is a loaded, loaded portion of Scripture. There's so much here, even in the Greek terms, That are used in the translation, but for our purposes this morning, as you think about regret and when we look at Peter, I I think some of us we can identify at least in part with Peter. But we look at him and go, "Man, (laughs) I thought I had quite a burden to have denied Jesus three times. That's that's quite a burden of regret to carry." And and so, if there's hope for Peter, then there's got to be hope for me. And I think that there are some principles here from Scripture that we can find that can help us to deal with our regret. And the first one is this. Jesus seeks us out in our regret. This is so cool. When we've done something that we know has disappointed Jesus, we know has hurt other people and, and hurt ourselves. When we know that that is our lot in life and we carry that regret, Jesus doesn't just casually close the door. When we come to him, he doesn't go talk to the hand. He actually comes after us. We're wounded. And like any good shepherd, he goes after that wounded sheep. He doesn't abandon him, he doesn't abandon her to their own fate. And so Jesus comes to Peter. In his regret, in his remorse, he comes and he seeks him out. And if your life is burdened by regret and remorse, you need to know. Jesus is coming after you. Not with a stick, but with his arms open wide. The second principle is this. Jesus challenges us to face our regret. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Okay, did you notice how many times did Jesus ask Peter that question, do you love me? How many? And how many times did he tell him to take care of or to feed my sheep or lambs? Three. This is is not an accident. It's not an accident at all. Peter, if he'd have denied him once, he'd have felt bad. If he'd have denied him twice, he'd have felt really bad. But to deny him three times and then to have the alarm clock rooster go off at that moment, all that regret just fell on him like a ton of bricks and he was carrying that. And Jesus comes to him and he doesn't say, hey, listen, dude, don't worry about it. We do that sometimes, don't we? With other people, they've hurt us deeply. I and mean, we you know, don't worry about it. It's not healthy. If we're going to deal with this, we need to understand that Jesus didn't come and tell us to pretend it didn't happen. He comes to say, I know it happened. Now, let's get in that closet of yours and let's start pulling this stuff out. Let's start getting all this stuff out from under your bed. And I'm going to sit here in the floor with you, and we're going to work through this. You need to understand the kind of Jesus whom we worship. He is not some God creature that is up in heaven with a lightning bolt who's just waiting to catch you, do something wrong, and then to strike you down. He is a Savior who loves you and loves you so much that He laid down His life literally for you. He is a Savior who loves you so much that no matter what you're going through, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And quite honestly, He knows the skeletons in your closet and under your bed. He knows the things you've swept under the rug. Still He comes to help you face it and to move beyond it. To move you from baggage to freedom. From regret to restoration. And that's our third truth, our third principle here, and that is this, that Jesus offers us restoration to replace our regret. When, When Jesus was initiating his ministry and he was gathering disciples and you remember he walked by Peter's fishing boat you see that you see how all this stuff ties together he walked by Jesus uh, by Peter's fishing boat and he said what words to him two words follow me what did we read here In in 21, 19, Jesus said, follow me. He restored him. You have a Savior who wants to restore you. He doesn't want you to deny that you've hurt people or been hurt. He wants you to face that. But he's come to restore you. People ask me, why did you write the story of Jonah? I wrote the story of Jonah because it was less about Jonah than it was about God. Because he's a God of mercy. That's our God. And this morning, you think you've got baggage? You think you've got baggage that can fill a 747 jumbo jet? Let me tell you something. God's grace and mercy are greater. God's peace and comfort are greater. And He is willing to meet you where you are, but He doesn't want to leave you there. He doesn't want to pretend that everything is okay. He wants to come in your life, and He wants to restore you, to give you hope, to take that burden off your shoulders, and to give you the life you didn't think you could ever, ever have. You've lived with the baggage of regret long enough. It's affecting everything. It's affecting your health. It's affecting your family. It's affecting your outlook on life. It's affecting everything. And there are practical things that you can do absolutely. You know, not making excuses for it, acknowledging the mistakes, learning from the mistakes, making amends to people who've hurt you. And let me add one more that we didn't put on the screen earlier that's very helpful. And that is, listen, get yourself to a place like Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights. Get involved with other people who quit running from their stuff and have started to deal with their stuff in the presence of Jesus and who found accountability and love and acceptance and encouragement in a place like that on Thursday night. So I I just encourage you, if you're dealing with stuff and you're tired of dealing with it on your own, that's a great place to come and have people come alongside you and help. There are some things that you can do. But there's something only Jesus can do. Jesus can set you free. Boy, doesn't that sound good? Jesus can set you free. And he said, if the sun sets you free, then you're free indeed. In other words, if the sun sets you free, you're really free really and truly free. You may need that today. And the first thing that you can do is exactly what we said at the very beginning, and that is accept that invitation that Jesus offers. Come. If you're weary, if you're burdened down, come. And exchange that for rest. Take my yoke upon me. In other words, don't go out of here thinking, woo-hoo, and skipping and butterflies and all things like that. You know, I'm free. I don't have any, I don't have any connections. No, 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 no. no. Jesus said, listen, if you really want to be free, connect yourself to me. Be with me. Follow me. Take up what I want you to carry, not what you think you have to carry. Because you'll find that that is both easy And light. Some of you need not simply to lay down a burden of regret, but some of you have a lot of guilt. Some of you come in realizing you have a lot of unconfessed sin. We're going to talk about those things next week, but I want to let you know in advance that you don't have to wait till next week. There's freedom to be had, right David? There's freedom to be had. You can do exactly what David did about three weeks ago. And you can walk down the aisle and say, you know what? I'm I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm tired of trying to earn God's love, earn God's salvation. I realize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I believe that Savior is Jesus. And I want to begin to follow him today. And here's what happens. This is so cool. It says that he'll take those sins and he'll cast them as far away from you as the east is from the west. And if you, you go, well what does that mean? Go get a globe. If you don't have one go to the public library. I think they still have one. Or look it up. You can, look, you can do a little 3D thing on the computer. Okay? Alright. North and south. If you are in at the equator can you get to north? What do you think? Yes. yes. If you just keep going north far enough you'll get to north. Okay? Can you get to south? You can get to south. Can you get to east? Can you get to west? You walk west. If you were able, if there were a bridge, you just kept going. If you walked west, you keep on walking west. West and east don't meet. There aren't any poles there. Jesus said, I'll take your sins and I'll cast them as far away from you as the east is from the rest. An infinite distance. Though your sins be like scarlet, they'll be like wool. If they're red, we'll make them white as snow. In other words, there's a new life for you, and it can start today. And I invite you to simply respond to what the Lord's put on your heart. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message, for this word. It is truly challenging, but it gives us hope. And so, Lord, I pray that the baggage, of regret would be laid down today, that the baggage of sin and guilt would be laid down today, and that we would walk from this place eternally linked to you by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in His name that we pray. Amen.